Hello and welcome to another episode of Alex and an Athlete. Today, we have a former MMA champion, professional fighter, Ben Davis. Ben Davis, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Nothing more than I love to talk about than fist fighting people. Yeah. How, how's everything been going for you? Oh, probably like everybody else right now in this country. It feels like the movie's on the pause button. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, too much. Can't go too many places. Can't do too many things. But, you know, it's a good thing in some areas because you kind of look at your life a little different and uh, some things that you didn't value that weren't too important you know you get to have a lot of those moments you know uh like helping your kids with your homework <laughs> you find mm-hmm. out you know how much you really don't know about homework <laughs> mm-hmm. the things that they got these kids doing now or or stuff that we did in high school it's like what no, are you doing? shit genius <laughs> mm-hmm. that's good for them but not for us it is. I don't know the answer to half of it. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, this whole thing is just giving a lot of people more perspective on, you know, what's yeah. more important, the, the rat race or, you know, actually enjoying the things that you're able to build, like family, yeah. community, yeah. camaraderie. Um, yeah. If you're just working you know, and doing everything else all the time. It's, you miss out on those life experiences that you'll regret later on. And then you really get to see, you know, a true test of people's character when they uh, worry about themselves when they or they are out in the community doing a food drive or helping. You know, there's so many people that need help now because of this and you see people's true colors, you know, and I'm very, very much impressed with, uh, you know, our everyday person that are getting involved and helping feed people and helping clean things. And, you know, it's push comes to shove, man. We, uh, we, we, we did pretty good, I think for the human race. Yeah. And there, there's always room for improvement, but if we want to look on a bright scale, there's just certain times where it doesn't even seem like we're in a worldwide pandemic, you know, it just mm-hmm. seems like a normal day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not even hard things that they're asking of us either. It's like, wear, wear mm-hmm. your mask when you go out, you know, just social wash distance your- a little bit. Yeah. yeah, wash your hands, wash your ass, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should be doing that anyways. Yeah, you be doing anyways. <laughs> it's uh it's just normal common sense to put a fight pretty hard (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah so uh so tell tell me a little bit uh about your martial arts career how how did you get started in in martial arts oh okay so um this was back in fairfield california um i was a football player, I was a wrestler, and then all of a sudden, you know, there there's a couple different 
martial arts places in, in town. And then all of a sudden, bam, this grand opening of American School of Kickboxing opened. And nobody knew who this guy was. He was just, he, he was a cigarette um, driver. He delivered cigarettes to all the big companies. <laughs> and you ready for his? Do you know who that was? That was the one and only Jacob Duran Stitch. Oh, it's very first kickboxing instructor and so he delivered cigarettes and then he made his money on the side as a cut man and a very good cut man so when jacob uh took a promotion he took a promotion as the lead vendor going to vegas and so he left the school to us actually to randy buzzard and he left it took Jacob probably a year to two years at the most. And then he became like world famous. He became, you know, the world renowned stitch that everybody knew. We called him stitch anyways, but everybody else in the world called him stitch and got the UFC contract. And he was working corners with De La Hoya, Tyson. He, he was just dead. He blew up. So that was the very first guy who uh, taught me how to wrap my hands. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I had a, an old athletic director used to do amateur boxing, baseball, uh, everything. And he's the one that ended up teaching me how to wrap my hands back in high school. So uh, everyone needs someone to teach them to start, you know. The hardest thing about anything, start. So so since uh, since you started there, how, how was your experience there? And uh, what? So I what Ended up making you leave. Started with Jacob. Uh, I think I had about five or six fights under him. And uh, then he left. I had a few more fights with Randy. Um, you know, became a champion in kickboxing. And kickboxing kind of dried out. Um, you couldn't really get a payday. MMA was really big on the scene. And back then, there was no amateurs, no really pros. It was just no holds barred. They called it NHB. And you could wear wrestling shoes. Um, just couldn't gouge to the eyes, couldn't hit a crotch shot. You couldn't bite. Those are the only pretty three big rules that you had to go by. And it wasn't a lot of jujitsu. It wasn't, it was basically guys who could box and guys who could wrestle. They're either going to pick you up, slam you on your head and just beat your head into the canvas or they're going to knock you out standing. And that developed into mixed martial arts, became sanctioned, had sanctioning body rules, then the guys were getting tested because I'll tell you what, dude, the first few fights, the first few years, everybody was roided out to the max. There was no, um, you know, you were seeing just some straight, you know, Marvel comic type of dudes walking damn cage with no neck and just, yeah, you were ready to piss on yourself knowing that that was your opponent. 
Um, those uh, Coleman's and uh, yeah, I remember those just roided up dudes. Yeah, that's that's some scary stuff. <laughs> we we were down in um, Ventura, and uh, it was at this beautiful golf course, and it was for members only. So it was an all male fight, and it was MMA and boxing. So they added the fifth rope in the ring for the MMA. So you had boxing and you had MMA. And then, so it was an all-male uh, event, all members only. So it was cognac and cigars. I mean, it was just like for the rich duds, right? Everybody was mm -hmm. betting. So at the weigh-in, it, it's actually, it's on the golf course, beautiful. They got like brand new Ferraris lined up. I mean, it was, you know. Wow, it was nice. Country and, club. Yeah. So I'm on there. I'm ready to weigh. And then they said, okay, here comes your opponent. He's actually walking in right now. And they pointed to the gate at the golf, uh, the golf, the, the golf center where it opens. And they're small, right? They're, they're ways away. And there's three people. And this son of a bitch in the middle, man, was just enormous. And I could see from a mile away i was like god that is one big son of a bitch and they're like yeah that's your opponent i was like what <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> uh this one might hurt <laughs> yeah i could not believe the ass whipping i took that night man oh my god this guy was just unreal no i'm at you know and that's exactly why they did things like starting to test people, uh, yeah. not only for that, but also for uh, blood. It's because they also started realizing that uh, cross, crossing your blood uh, can lead to some blood diseases as well. So a lot of safety came later, but uh, <laughs> not during your start, huh? <laughs> no, no it, it, was, it was pretty bad, you know. Back in when I started, it, there was no rules on you had to have anything but gloves on your hands. So guys were just putting gloves on, no wraps. And then literally, man, I see their gloves being taken off of them backstage. And I can't tell you how many times guys' hands, they, they, they look like paws after the fight. And usually like the middle knuckle, the skin was gone and you could see the bone. Because there was just, they, you know, a lot of it was on Indian reservations. So those guys grew up, like, fighting like that. Like, they just didn't care. There's just a hand injury, it'll heal. Mm -hmm. But, man, those guys got after it, man. Whew-wee. No pain, no nothing. They just went for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's when you come <laughs> from, like, a warrior tribe mentality. It's uh, yeah. bred into you. It's uh, probably the same thing that we had. There's a reason why we kept going into the cage repeatedly, yeah. like we're some kind of gladiator. Yeah, <laughs> and it it may just be bred bred down. So that's yeah, awesome. Money for me, man. <laughs> it never paid me enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but I don't. I don't think we really did it for the money, though. Like I was telling Justin, uh, I had Justin on McLean, mm -hmm. and uh, he, uh, I told him too. It's like, hey, we didn't do it for the money. We did it for the personal 
satisfaction and the glory, it's, uh, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, thinking back about it, probably should have took money. <laughs> well, at the end of my career, I, I made a lot of money and I'm still getting calls to come back. And I was really tempted about six months ago, maybe a little bit longer, call me for a bare knuckle fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, back, I, uh, back to day one, huh? Those Indian reservation fights. <laughs> I, I turned it down. They they did a couple, but now COVID has spiked so high that they had to shut that down. That was like the only thing up and running. And, you know, if you wanted to get a fight, you'd have to go out of California and now across the country, it has spiked so much that, you know, you're just going to have to wait until it comes down. Yeah. And that's, that's the hardest part is uh, yeah. after nine months, it's hard to keep being patient. Yeah. <clears throat> I was lucky. You know, I mean, my contract with Gladiator Challenge, they would uh, <clears throat> shoot me to Sacramento for Thunder Valley. And then after Thunder Valley, they'd shoot me to Palm Springs for Aqua Caliente. So I would just bounce back and forth, man, from, you know, Northern California to Southern California. I didn't have to really go anywhere, like, you know, as of another state or, you know, like PD and I did when we went to um, Missouri um, for that fight. But, you know, and it's not too bad, you know, traveling from one part of California to the next and, you know, it's, it's kind of nice, but you know, some of these guys, man, that just have these long freaking drawn out travel arrangements to fight. It's like, God, dude, I'm so glad that, that those days are behind me. That, those, those are hard to get up for a fight, man. When you're traveling for a day. Or two. <laughs> oh yeah. I remember whenever, what was it? My last fight when we went to Utah, mm -hmm. uh, we, we drove there. Uh, one day, got there. One day is not enough to get used to the third highest elevation. I'll tell you that right now. And no. uh, I even trained with my elevation training mask. And I was still, my fight only lasted a minute, 13 seconds. I was able to get an arm triangle in the first round. But the uh, I was gassed instantly. And it's because, you know, you're going to thinner air. And mm -hmm. your your body's not used to it. So um, I was over here thinking, like, when these guys go uh, from sea level like we did, like, say they're over there on North Carolina, and they yeah. come all the way over, you got two days of travel, you know, just about, you got to rest, you got to weigh in, you're cutting weight at the same time, and it, it's, oh, it's just tough. I hate, yeah. that's one part I hated the most was the travel. Yeah, I hated that, man. Yeah, and then uh, like when we went up to Humboldt when we fought on that card together, uh, that was that was a freaking drive and a half. Yeah. yeah, seven and a half hour drive in the back of Petey's uh, two seater truck, <laughs> <laughs> and cool. and I was still like a pound overweight, so uh, all I could have was like an ice cube every two hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's the one thing I'll never miss is cutting weight yeah it's horrible man 
it's horrible for your body. I think I finally weigh 150, uh, and I've been haven't cut weight in seven years, and I finally jumped up from 125. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. <laughs> it, it, it took a long time, and it took a lot of sitting around, but I was able to get some on me. That's good, man. That's good. You finally uh, back to civilization and healthy now. You know, you don't look like you're uh, starving anymore. <laughs> yeah, and that was the thing too. Was uh, I was starving? <laughs> yeah, man. It makes oh, you mood. Makes you just. Then you got to train like that. It sucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so after after you uh won your belt there kickboxing uh where where did you end up going after that what what path what path did you take to LA where um I became um the IKF um cruiserweight and then the heavyweight uh world champion with uh Steve Rodarty then um i left steve steve um shut down for a little bit um and i I believe he was he was working with golden boy for a little while and then i left steve and then started training with bob cheney and then um on dennis warner's card and then i started fighting in vegas um pretty regularly and then after that um i moved to the valley where you were at i moved to merced uh joined up with the stack house then after that um let's see when i was with carter williams in uh, modesto at bad to the bones had a bunch of fights in the valley and then came to Monterey and finished, uh, finished out strong here, man. Uh, I think I, 14 fights straight, uh, went out here. Nice. Mm. Nothing like a win streak, especially when it's double digits. I haven't lost in years. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, especially with the experience that you had, I mean, most people don't have that kind of experience. They, uh, you know, two, three years, four years. But mm. shoot, you've been doing it for over over a decade, you know, and not a lot of people can say that. No, I had my first fight at uh, seventeen, and had my last fight at forty-two. There you go. 23 years. Yeah, long time. <laughs> 25, yeah, 25 years. That's a quarter, getting, quarter century. <laughs> yeah, getting punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, never got old, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it gets old. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're like Mayweather. Once you have that many fights, you start learning how to not get hit so much. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just, last few fights, it was just, I came at them with everything I had. <laughs> just like I'm trying to get you out early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with 
would you consider your style more of uh, just kickboxing or or how would you describe your style? Um, I'm definitely, I, I, I say the guys like me are, are freestyle fighters. Um, you know, uh, stand and bang. Now, when, when people say kickboxing to me, um, that means you're going to hold the center of the octagon, move, good footwork. Um, I was, yeah, you know, inside, outside leg kick, um, you know, you're going to be technical enough and you're going to, you're going to set that knockout up where I've had those fights. Um, but for me, I, I always enjoyed closing the gap, you know, not worried about getting a head cut, put my head on his head over unders a lot of elbows upside down doesn't matter um and just short dirty boxing step away big power shot whether it's a knee elbow even a good kick um you know i just i was that fighter who loved to close the distance and there was a lot of power coming when i did that um you know the best thing that I've learned in all the years that I've been fighting um, actively is once you put your opponent on his heels, he no longer can do pretty much 90% of the things he trained to do. He's really, it, it's pretty much coming back to balance and starting over for him. So when you have him on his heels, like you do when you close the gap and you're going to push him against the cage, you have a chance to really let loose some just nasty ass power shots. And for me and the guys that I've trained, you know, um, Justin, Mike, Alex, all those guys who have become champions, they really mimic that style. They'll, they'll just bully you, grab you, you know, and, you know, if you fall, you know, when, when we have our over-under and we hit a trip, shit, I'm, we're happy if we're on top, um, you know. But, yeah, I, I definitely say I, I, I'm a freestylist, but I don't, I don't think I'm I, – I wouldn't classify me as, as a technical fighter, not at all. Okay. Gotcha. I love to sit, yeah, sit and bang. I mean, I made up with brawling – that has overcome a lot of bad technique. It really has, you know, um, there's not a lot of heavyweights that have good, clean, beautiful techniques like guys at 175, 185. It's just, it's a different type. Heavyweight is a different type of game and guys don't understand that until they become heavy. And then it's like, Oh shit. Yeah. I can't do that cartwheel kick anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to move around 250 pounds, you know? <laughs> the thing that people don't understand is you're 250 pounds, okay? So you're moving. You're carrying that 250. Now when your opponent latches on and he's 250, now you're moving 500 pounds. It's, it wears you out. Your legs feel like you just climbed Mount Everest. And mm -hmm. it's... Man, if it literally feels like you got hit by a freaking truck. 
Yeah. I, I mean, that's the one thing I was glad about being a lightweight was yeah. seeing some of these heavyweights, the shots that they take, the power they generate. I'm like, I'm glad I don't have the eco. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at these lightweight fighters, bam, they hit the ground, they get punched a couple of times, they move into a different position, get punched. Then they move into a different position and they sh fucking shoot up like a rocket. And I'm like, there's no way in hell my fat ass could ever get up that fast. I mean, I, I would, the referee would have to help me up to get up that fast. <laughs> <laughs> maybe two, huh? <laughs> and maybe two and my corner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's the biggest difference whenever you come down to low, uh, lightweights and heavyweights. Is lightweights are forced to use the technique. They're forced to use speed and explosiveness as compared to where heavyweights you could be a little more patient knowing that you can end that, end that fight in almost one shot. Or, like you said, just put all that weight on and make him carry half a ton and just well, burn I, his legs out. You guys, because you guys are forced to be in shape because you have to cut weight. So when you're cutting weight, that means you're running more, you're biking, you're doing more things cardiovascular-wise where the heavyweight he doesn't necessarily have to do his road work because there's no scale unless he's 300 pounds and then he's got to do it, you know, but, you know, so he could sit in the gym and just bang all day, work power shots all day. Now that doesn't mean after a minute or two minutes of the fight, he's going to have any air, but he can, that could be his whole game plan is as soon as a guy steps in my crosshairs, uh, it's lights out. And a lot of heavyweights train like that. Like, I don't need three rounds. I just need a minute. Okay. <laughs> Good luck with okay. that. <laughs> yep. Someone with some head movement uh, might tell oh, you yeah, different. Oh, yeah. have a lot of bodybuilders that cross into cage fighting, and they think, well, I can bench four or 500 pounds. I could punch a guy's head clean off his shoulders. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, that, that practice dummy doesn't hit back, and he doesn't move. <laughs> yeah. Might be. Oh, not just stuffing out the scarecrow break, um, <laughs> no ab and he's moving and you're swinging and missing and whole different to a whole different uh topic man yeah i mean i'm pretty sure you know it it takes a lot of energy to miss a punch <laughs> yeah and it, it messes with you psychologically too so mm -hmm. you start pulling your punches because you don't want to get uh out of position and like oh shit i just missed now half of my body's exposed to this guy and he's going to kick me in the ribs or kick me in the leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm. And especially with those tree trunks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Danger so, man. Wait, dude, his leg kicks. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So, um, who would you say probably your crowning achievement or your, your favorite fight coming up? Do you have one? That I fought? Yeah. Kind of uh, like your, your crowning achievement, I guess you would say. Hmm. Well, hmm. I definitely say when I fought Warpath, even though I lost the fight, um, you know, it, it, it was a big name. 
it was a good fight. Um, he was pretty bloody. Uh, I, I'd say that was probably definitely a good fight. A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people think you have to win the fight for it to be a great fight. No. <laughs> no. Just the fact that, you know, I was fighting Warpath and his last fight was against Boss Rudin on TV. And um, Boss kicked the shit out of him. But, you know, um, I went in and I, I fought Warpath and. I could not believe the chin that this guy had. I mean, I, I boss took him out with the legs and looking back, I don't know why the hell I didn't throw any leg kicks. I just, I wanted to head hunt him and he just had a chin, man. Oh yeah. That, I mean, boss rooting that guy is known for putting people away. So uh, yeah. any way he can do it, open palm or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so definitely strategy is a big thing. And like you said, as soon as you get into a fight, it's easy to forget the game plan. You just go off instinct. Yeah, yeah. And that's why whenever these guys follow a game plan for a whole 15 to 25 minutes, that's impressive in its own own respect due to that mental strength. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not easy to lose the first round and then keep that game plan and then win the next two or four. No. I mean, most people, you know, like, uh, you know, there, there's been some legends, man, that I fought. And uh, I think we were so involved in the moment, like uh, when I fought Tank and when I fought Pat Smith, um, like, wow, you know, you're fighting – UFC legends right now you're fighting guys who you know came before us and built this and you know you're in the main event against them you know we're at Thunder Valley you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> so That's it's, uh, it, it is but it's like you know like Rashad Evans said it you know when he was in there with Chuck Liddell like wow you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm in here I'm getting lost in the moment and I'm in the fight and I I I got to wake up because Chuck's going to, he's going to knock me out. And then he was lucky to pull himself out of that, that fog and start taking it to Chuck because, you know, he, he was a little bit gun shy. He's like, shit, I'm in here with the legend, you know? Yeah. It, people forget how mental this game is. It's uh, <laughs> big time. It, uh, your, your mind will break before your body most of the time. It's, uh, I, it man where guys literally lose the fight backstage mm -hmm. that had great camps and i'm talking some of my fighters i'm talking myself too um in whatever I, I i was fighting a guy at thunder valley one time and quite frankly i should not have he should not have been in there with me. The guy only had like four or five fights. I think he had like one win. It was the last replacement. I mean, I, believe it or not, I was just supposed to go in there, kick the shit out of the guy. I was the champ, whatever. We're going to go home and we'll, we'll research for the next fight, you know. But because my brother 
was fighting a little bear that night on the card. My whole focus was him. It wasn't even me. And then by the time the main event got there for me, I was just so drained. I was just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I beat the guy, but it, I should have beat him a lot faster. I mean, we're talking like I should have beat him in like 10, 15 seconds. And it took me like a minute and 40. And, uh, you know, it just, everything I was doing was for him, making sure he was okay. And, you know, this was a big fight for him, a big opportunity for him. And I just kind of forgot about myself. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to, because you get drawn in into the whole event instead of just yeah. focusing on yourself. When, when you're a fighter, your only job is supposed to worry about the fight. And so whenever you get stretched thin like that, it's hard to be the promoter, the coach, and the fighter all at the same time. When we uh, went and then to when Blue you're Lake, the last fight. When we went to Blue Lake, mm -hmm. I was so concerned about yours and Primo's guy, you and, and uh, Primo's fighter, that making sure you guys were okay, like uh, Tom and Steve just – pulled me as far as they could in the back and they're like look man quit going out there and looking like just stay back here relax you have a long night mm -hmm. yeah, good dude I was like man the pacing that just you do your legs are freaking tired yep it's hard it's hard to win because you're you're ready for your fight and then you're like okay now I gotta wait ready for the fight now I gotta wait and it's yeah. it's tough it's just those adrenaline dumps, if they come at the wrong time, they can cost you. <laughs> yeah, I remember. <laughs> so there's only one doctor at, um, you know, cage side. And <laughs> this has happened to me twice. So Aaron Brink uh, is fighting a little bear. And they are, I'm, 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 the, I'm the main event, or excuse me, I'm, I'm, I'm the co-main. They're the fight before me. And they bring him in the hallway. I'm getting ready to come out. And then all of a sudden they stop the show because they're stapling little bear's head up right in front of me. And I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, had, a, it's like the event we had the other day where that guy got his cauliflower ear popped and just yeah. let his ear. <laughs> you see that before your fight and you're like, okay, well. Hopefully my cauliflower ear don't do that. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, that kind of takes the life right out of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just puts it in perspective. It's uh, why you train so hard, you know, so that you can prevent things like that. Um, but you can't always prevent them. That's, that's, uh, being cut up is probably the worst part about all that. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of injuries, man. I've seen a lot, seen a lot, had a lot. Oh, crazy. And what was the worst injury that you went through? Uh, I've had a double hernia surgery. Oh. Uh, broke bones in my hands, my feet. Um... I want to say at Humboldt, you messed your foot up pretty good, kicking that dude in the yeah. head. Yeah. Those are the ones that heal, you know, just take a little bit of time. But the one that uh, 
Uh, so this is when I was in LA and uh, Mark Coleman um, was at Champions Gym in Rancho Cucamonga. And uh, I was part of the Shark Tank and they asked me to come up and to um, get Mark ready. And it was me and two other guys that were gonna be his sparring partners. And I don't know why, but he just had a, I don't know if he didn't like me or if he saw me as the best competition and he, and he tuned it up more when I was in there. But it's like our third or fourth sparring session and you could just feel it. As soon as I walked in the gym, his body language, everything just changed. And maybe he got in a big fight with his wife or girlfriend. I, I don't know. But from the second we went inside the ring, um, and this was when Mark was getting ready to fight in the K1, um, it was just, I, I, I mean, it was like kill or be killed. And anyway, so four rounds, and we were both bloody. But um, that night when I went home, I just started bleeding from my nose really bad. And my wife took me to the ER. I had multiple fractures in my face, and I had a brain. Not from with him. I mean, but uh, we were trying to kill each other, man. I mean, there was no... I, I've never hit anybody that hard with sparring. With, I mean, I can honestly tell you, I was trying to put him on a stretcher that day. And as shitty as that sounds, because I know he had a fight, because I know that's what he was trying to do to me. And, exactly. You can only go as, as hard as the other person. Yeah. You know, if you don't, then you're you're just going to be the one hurt. And I, I stopped going. The owner of that gym, Eddie Millis, he and I had a big falling out that after that because I looked over at him twice like, hey, say something. Tone yeah, this down. Sparring. And then he just looked at me and like, my God, what you want? You Give tell him. him. Like, great. I'm trapped in here. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we, that, that was pretty much the end of my shark tank guys <laughs> yeah it sounds like it good reason i mean yeah. let's talk about those steroided up dudes mark coleman's <laughs> one of them <laughs> you've seen what he did to people in pride he uh yeah. kneeing them in the head from a front headlock while they're laying on the ground i thought he murdered that guy yeah um, so yeah i could only imagine what it's like just to spar with them and yeah whenever the people who are supposed to keep it you know I wouldn't say safe, but I would say restraint. You yeah. know, weren't weren't doing it because they were scared. Like they see what he's doing, what you guys are doing to each other. Who who in their right mind's gonna try to step in the middle of that? You know. Yeah, but it's like, dude, you're eating up your sparring. We've got to come back and work with you. And if you're trying to put me in the hospital, what are you doing? You know, yeah. like, I mean good luck. I mean, you're, you'll have to go find new sparring partners now and maybe you'll find somebody better than me. Maybe you won't, but you know, that's a risk you take when, you know, you just, you spar like you're an asshole, you know, oh, the American shuttle bot. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always, 
always worked with my sparring partners. I've never, you're there to help me. So if I know I can knock you out, I'm going to snap that kick. I'm, I'm going to pull that punch. You know, I, I'm going to hit you in the arms if I'm on top of you, mounting you. I'm not going to, you know, do nothing stupid because I need you. I need your help, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's one of those things that the hardest thing to find is a good training partner. And that comes with the territory. It, it, it's, and, and Eddie, Eddie was not the guy that you want to, pretty much m mimic your career around either so it's it if you control your gym and you control your fighters you control the atmosphere everything should stay controlled and then it, when it gets out of hand you stop it right away you don't let bad habits build in the gym and then you know that really counts for a lot of safety yeah. Yep. And it's a top down effect too. So if the head guy's not saying nothing, yeah. the fighters aren't going to say nothing. They think that it's normal and it, that's how it's supposed to go until, you know, people like you come out uh, from a different gym and show them that, hey, that, that's not the way that everybody does it. No, I mean, you don't need to freaking practice your rear naked on somebody until he passes out. I mean, mm -hmm. you know. Exactly. Don't don't just keep twerking that arm. You know, it's uh, you you already have it locked in. All you got to do is be patient. Instead, you just keep cranking, and now your now your training partner got a broken arm. How was your um your time with Tom? I haven't talked to him, and I heard that he split. And uh, how was training with him? Uh, pretty much. That's the last I heard from him too. Um, let's see, it was, oh yeah, that was the, uh, the Blue Lake fight. Yeah. We went, I still don't know how I lost that split decision. I, I still don't know. <laughs> 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 I Drop the guy twice the first round and then get him in a deep triangle at the end of the first and then still lose a split decision. I should have been a 10-8 round. But. What? But I digress. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, it was okay. The partners were great. We were able to have good, uh, good, consistent training partners. Yeah. But I would say that the instruction was definitely lacking. Um, oh, it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, Whenever I never did jujitsu in my life, I go in there and I'm one of the best grapplers already, except for the, you know, purple brown belts like Hiram. Mm -hmm. it, and it's like, I just train against those guys and they're the ones that taught me <laughs> jujitsu more than anybody else. Oh, 100%. Like, yeah, I just could no, no kickboxing coaches except for you and Petey were the ones who taught me how to kick yeah and that was it that was the only kicks I training I ever got I could not but, train with yeah he asked me so many times to come in the gym be a part of the gym and I'm just like man dude a <laughs> little, little little bit of a con artist I would have to say oh yeah so he screwed over Dan big time Mm -hmm. Yeah, a no. few people. 
Yeah, uh, Dan, um, see Dan from my chiropractic, and I guess he screwed him over pretty good. Oh, Dan Kirby, yeah. Yeah. Yep, I, I, Dan Kirby, he's the one who uh, told me that I had three tears in my knee. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, that was all from uh, teaching Justin Rios how to do a hiragoshi. <laughs> um, and and we were sparring and he wasn't uh he tried to force it and muscle it and so my my foot got twisted and caught in the mat and he still just tried to yank me over it and uh so i w i went down but uh my leg stayed straight which uh is not good <laughs> so, um i was training because i was going to be uh king of the cage in chicago I was trained. I was training for that fight, but then uh, Dan told me I I couldn't do it no more. So whatever, Dan. No, <laughs> he was looking out for me, which was probably one of the only people back then who really had my uh, longevity at heart. You know, Justin became a champion, right? Uh, McLean, right? Rios. Rios. No, I didn't yeah. know he ended up becoming a champion. Uh, oh yeah. Last Last I seen him, he moved to uh, Napa Valley. No, he's never been to Napa. Mm. And I, now it's just his parents up there. Yeah, his parents are up there. I had him. He was a part of my team. I trained him. Uh, trained him for almost four years, three, four years. And, uh, yeah, he um, he did good. Him and... Him and Mike Hart both became champions. Alex Valdez, um, Johnny. I, had, I put out like six champions out here. Oh. And those those guys, ooh, they were something. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing that I wish I was, I would have been able to do was have kind of more of an actual fight coach slash manager slash, you know, outside of just Petey because Petey, he was already stretched thin enough as it is you know he 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 liked it but he couldn't dedicate his time to it and his knowledge was only so vast um, yeah and the hardest they, thing to do is is find new people to learn from they 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 pull they everybody pretty much pulled together when it was somebody's time to fight you know we all um, had to kind of do certain things and oh Tim you know I, uh, trained Timmy for uh, I think four fights too oh boy god I can't believe how many people I've trained lately <laughs> <laughs> yeah sounds like it's been busy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what, where are you training out of what's, what's your your gym um, so I was bouncing, uh, guys back and forth from, we have a, uh, warehouse in Watsonville that's set up for a lot of conditioning, um, that we use and it's, uh, it's all gutted out. We did it. So we have our weights, we have our bags in there. Then in Watsonville, we'll go to Rick Noble and Karina's. We'll train, a, a, a really good stand-up in there a lot of good sparring in there and then we'll go over to Kuntar at least one day a week to get a lot of wrestling and jiu-jitsu but then uh Kuntar had a lot of good jiu-jitsu guys 
they they do um but they don't want to go like mma type of uh style like rules where you know um i like my guys to kind of roll a few times without the geese um yeah. you know and kind of feel what it's like when someone is you know behind you and he's punching you in the ribs a little bit and he's working the head and how high can your turtle guard go before you're in jeopardy and just all those things that i mean and the guy doesn't have to punch you hard it's just oh, bye buddy um yeah, just to get your attention just just feel what the position's going to feel like when someone is behind you and you know he's got your arm or he's got you wrapped around your belly or He's trying to work a half Nelson and he's hitting you with the other hand. And, you know, what are your options? You know, do you sit out hard? You know, do you Gramby? What do you, what do you do? You know, so those were things that they really didn't like to do a lot over there. There was only like three or four guys. So we were kind of limited, but when it was full jujitsu, they had a, they had a good um, base of guys to work with and then uh lately we've been going over uh to claudio franco's and uh watsonville and getting a lot of good work over there man a lot of good work uh, um, i forget yeah. his last name ray in uh in watsonville boxing gym ray is it ray or josh I Josh, there you go. I was thinking of an old wrestler I used to wrestle from Watsonville. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of people from Watsonville that I know come to find out. Never knew it. <laughs> that's a breeding ground. Oh, yeah. So that's good. So pretty much uh, just like to go and travel. And that's good because that's where you get the most, uh, most diversity yeah. in your training. But like you said, there's a big difference between gi and no gi. Um, people... Try, try to get in a body life and uh, not use a gi to get out of it like you do in practice every day. During a fight, you're going to be in trouble. You, know? yeah. you, you can't pull clothes. You can't do anything like that. So I knew that I wasn't going to be a jiu-jitsu competitor. I knew that I was going to be a martial artist. You know, just step inside the cage, no gi. So I never trained with a gi. And well, then, you know, again – when you're in shorts and your gloves, that body's going to feel a lot different in the third round than it does in the first. You know, you got some blood going on, you're dripping wet with sweat. You know, it, things, things are different, you know? I mean, I've literally, man, I've slid off of a dude's back. He was so sweaty in a fight when it was going to the end of the second round and we were both drenched, man. Like you just poured buckets of water on us. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's different. The weirdest thing to me about fighting always was in between rounds, whenever they put that ice pack on your, the back of your head and your neck, can't mm -hmm. feel it. Your, your body's so hot, you know, and you just, every pore is just dripping and you only been in there for three to five minutes. <laughs> and then you got to go do it two more times. Yeah, that adrenaline. Oh. Mm -hmm. The I, the nice thing about adrenaline was it masked a lot of the pain until your body tried to recover. <laughs> so during the fight, it didn't bother you, but after the fight, yeah, you, you felt it. Yeah, I've been uh, 
sitting at the bar at the after party in the hotel and the casino literally falling asleep because i was so tired because the adrenaline and everything's wearing off it's like wow oh yeah right after every fight uh jaeger bomb to start the night and then uh <laughs> who, yeah, who knows where it went after that because uh, i can't that's, remember <laughs> that's my nyquil <laughs> yeah tastes my like old, it too my old ass is going to bed <laughs> i start shooting those <laughs> oh yeah i mean but after you get punched in the face a few times uh you know it helps definitely <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, uh, hell, I, I woke up uh, after the Blue Lake fight. As, uh, that one was, that was just a war. That one went all three rounds, uh, split decision, uh, back and forth, knees, elbows. We, we used everything. And uh, I, I just woke up and uh, I saw there was like a, a box of cereal, some plastic bowls and forks, a uh, little little thing of milk in the fridge a bunch of a bunch of open beers we we're like we had to piece the night together we we're like what happened and apparently uh, i went and bought all that <laughs> and then uh i went to bed yeah so, i hurt myself <laughs> i think my my foot i was really hurting the next morning and there was just a little stairway you could walk because I think it was only like a two floor casino or two floor for the hotel. And we went down the stairs and my damn leg gave out and <laughs> fell down the stairs. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, that that was a fun event, except for we all got gypped by the promoter. So that guy. Yeah. You know, not He's the first a, time. <laughs> won't won't be not, the last promoter to screw people. There's a new guy promoting. He's a uh, good friend of Vince, uh, the owner of uh, Kuntar. And I've been in touch with him a few times, and uh, he definitely wants to put something together. I mean, there's so many promoters that are going to promote big as soon as this pandemic lifts. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be so many fights. You there just pick. Is. The uh, like, look at the UFC. They figured out a way, and they got fights every single weekend. Yeah. Um, so there, there's gonna be a way to do it. It's just, you know, not everyone has that those kind of resources to buy an island. <laughs> no, no, they don't. And not everybody has ESPN money back in their business either. <laughs> exactly. So just us smaller guys, we got to uh, got to roll with the punches at first. It's, it's tough, but I, I mean, at the same time, as soon as everything opens up, like you said, it's just going to blossom. People are getting, are waiting. They're getting anxious. Uh, they're going to be excited when they first get back. Um, but you're going to really start to see which ones are passionate and which ones are just doing something, you know? And I really like watching these passionate people develop gonna be some good fights man um gladiator challenge is, is working hard right now um they pretty much have got 2021 if this thing lifts in january 
February, there's going to be some good fights the remaining of the year. Oh, yeah. Where do they usually hold their events at? They have, like, five different casinos that they use. Okay. So they have Sacramento. They have um, two casinos in Southern California. They have... Um, I don't know if they have Redding or not, but and then they have um, Cash Creek. Um, so they 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 promote a lot. They promote at least every month in in a lot of spots. So they, you know, and I think one year they promoted eleven fights. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Isn't uh, uh, 559 Fights also uh, pretty good promoting? Um, well, that's that's an amateur card. So oh, amateur card. Okay, yeah. He, he's limited on what he can do. And Camo is, uh, is, is very the tight uh, sanctioning body. So... Um, you know, they, they won't let anything happen right now. Um, but I uh, believe he's throwing like three fights a year, four fights a year, maybe, you know, and it, um, that's Jeremy Lujan. And, you know, he's, he'll, he'll be throwing, you know, his, his card uh, as many as he can. Uh, I know McNeil is going to do some uh, cards out here. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Couple, gonna be neat. So we're gonna do some. Yeah. So do you, do you still have a group of fighters? Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And are all of them pro or are some also amateur? No, it's a mixture. Mixture, awesome. Yeah, I mean, you need that well balanced. You need the guys that are that are learning and the guys who who can also push them and teach each other. So. It's hard. The coach can't be the best person in the room every time. You know, you need you need you need a good culture in there. Yeah. You just um, uh, gotta wait for this damn thing to be over, man. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, you'll have to let me know whenever whenever it does open up. Uh, whenever the fighters are coming on, I'll have them on here and yeah, get a little extra promotion for the event. Then want you can uh come with me um to our gladiator shows and uh you know if you wanted to do like interviews or have a camera guy or something i i usually bring a full camera crew when uh i i uh fight and um yeah it's it's some some of the work that they do is pretty damn good oh yeah well we'll definitely have to do that uh, that does sound fun. I haven't been to a fight event in years. I need I need to go go fill that uh, energy really, again. They're elegant shows. I mean, they're they're nice. They're you know, it's you know, it's a twenty one and over crowd. Um, you know, alcohol, um, and then it's like you know the two thousand people that go. 
you know, they want you to go in those five-star steakhouse restaurants. They want you to go in those, you know, upbeat uh, bars and nightclubs in the casino and gamble. So it's like, it's a whole night of fun that, you know, they try to, you know, capture for everybody. So everybody usually has a really good time. It's hard to not have a good time in a casino. Doesn't matter what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one by where you're at, man, when uh, I fought Chansey, um, I fought on the same card as Uriah Faber when he fought Crazy Horse. Oh, oh that's right. Um, at your chancy, yeah. 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 I banged it out against Dennis Hall that night. Dennis Hall. Man, haven't heard that name in a while. <laughs> There's no dude down there? I think he's got a school. Yeah, I think think so. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so definitely whenever these events start rolling around, I'll be down in that area, so it'd be a lot easier, too. I'll just meet up with you and yeah. go. We'll, we'll, figure, we'll figure everything else out. I, I'll go watch the fights, worst case. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. Yeah, awesome. Well, Ben, this has been awesome. Great yeah, catching up. Um, before we end here, I want to uh, I end every show with a little bit of a random fact. Just uh, in case you don't have fun, you can learn something. <laughs> mm -hmm. All right. So uh, random fact of the day is in the animal department, we have, did you know that a baby panda smaller than a mouse when it's born did not know that <laughs> it's a little little tiny thing a few few inches uh and then it grows into a giant man killing panda <laughs> That's good I, figured you, I figured you'd like that one because that reminds me of you a little bit <laughs> you were you were little at one point and then you grew into this giant grizzly so <laughs> i know uh I miss my little days. <laughs> <laughs> I bet your body does too. <laughs> yeah. And my grocery bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know mine's mine's been uh getting bigger too. So <laughs> but awesome, Ben. Um I wanna thank you for coming on and like I said, we'll we'll be in touch. We'll uh as soon as everything opens up, we'll start thinking of some fun things to do and uh we'll be able to start doing some of these in person. We'll be yeah. Real nice. Cool, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. Awesome. Hey, I appreciate it. Um, everybody want to give a special thanks to Ben uh, Davis for coming in, former champion, and number one in my heart. <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> Take care, uh, buddy. Hey, will do. Be in touch. Bye-bye. Right, have, a, have a good one. All right. So that was... MMA fighter Ben Davis, former champion, kickboxing, lots of season bets. I hope everybody enjoyed this interview. Uh, it was a blast. So stay tuned for more Alex and an athlete, and we'll have plenty of our other shows, MMA Coaches Corners, uh, WWE, uh, all of that good stuff. So make sure that you like, subscribe, uh, send, uh, send, share to your friends, family, coworkers, everybody else who you may think find this enjoyable. So with that being said, everyone have yourselves a great day and we will catch you next time.
on Alex and an athlete.